About this, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain, since you have become full of dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since she is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment, trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Yes. May God bless the reading of his word. Get out your Bible if you have one. Open it up to the book of Hebrews. If you don't have a Bible with you, you can look on your uh, mobile device. And uh, we're going to be continuing in our series called Greater. And we began this series about a month ago where we're teaching through the book of Hebrews. And so there's 10 talks in it. Five of them I'm doing. And, we're, and I've done four so far. And then uh, the next few weeks are going to be uh, shared by other uh, leaders in our church, which I'm really excited about. But today we're going to be in chapter 5, starting in verse 11. It's so fun having the kids with us, right? I mean, it is uh, fun. It's, it's a little excitement. Some of those of you that aren't around kids a lot, it makes you a little nervous, you know, like what's going to happen next? Is somebody going to get out of hand? And the answer to that is probably yes. You know, and, and one thing we love about kids is that is we get to see them develop, right? I mean, when, when, when we think about children, we expect them to learn from their parents. And, of course, this little ceremony that we did, um, it, it's, it's an opportunity for us to say that also we as a church are going to have the responsibility and opportunity to teach them. So we, we expect kids to, to be taught and to grow up and to be healthy adults. And it really is an awesome thing to see your kids develop. And, and for those of you that are parents, you know this firsthand. And uh, one of the things I love about the last day of school is seeing all the first day picks, last day picks that people post online, you know, of, of how their kid went from looking, how they looked at the beginning of the school year and how they looked at the end of the school year. And I have an idea for next year is that we do parent first day picks and parent last day picks. Mine would definitely be more wrinkles, more gray in my beard. Um, but it really is a natural thing to think that a child will develop, right? So I talk to my mom about one time a week. And when we talk, we discuss adult things. And oftentimes the things that we discuss relate to the people that are in my life that I have an influence in, their life. So Jeannie, we talk about Jeannie. We talk about our four kids. We talk about my neighbors, we talk about friends, we of course talk about the church, and I talk about those things with her also. Those are like adult conversations. And the reason that we're able to have adult conversations is because she expects that I would grow up and become an adult. I mean, could you imagine if I called my mom at 43 years old is what I am now, and I called my mom and, and she was talking to me, not expecting me to have grown up. She might say, hey, uh, Russell, are you wearing clean underwear? Or, hey, did you remember to brush your teeth? I mean, that's strange to us, right? Those are the kind of conversations I have with my kids. But as an adult, there's an expectation that you'll grow up, that you'll mature. The passage in Hebrews today is really, uh, it's this passage where the author is telling these Christians that they need to grow up. These Christians are essentially remaining baby Christians, and the author is saying, you need to grow up to the point where you're able to teach others. In fact, in this passage is a warning that's pretty, pretty intense. In fact, it's a, it's a passage in the New Testament there's a lot of debate about, but it's at the very least and kind of easiest reading, it warns us 
that if we don't grow up beyond the elementary principles of Christian living, then we can drift. In fact, you can drift so far that you will never return to God. So with all that in mind as an introduction, the main idea, the thing that I'm going to drive after is this. To persevere in the Christian faith, we must grow up together. To persevere in the Christian faith, we must grow up together. So look there in chapter 5, verse 11 of the book of Hebrews, and there'll be some of the scripture on, on the screen, and some of it you'll just have to look at in your Bible or on your device. But we just start with these words about this. And so the author has just talked about Jesus as a greater high priest. I preached that sermon last Sunday. You can listen to it at podcast.neartownchurch.org. But he says, about this, we have much to say. And the idea that Jesus is a great high priest would be considered by the author kind of a deeper teaching or a teaching that will be received by more mature Christians. We have much to say, and it is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. So what the author is doing is he's hitting pause here on talking to these Christians that are uh, uh, familiar with the Jewish faith because they were Jews, many of them, and then they became Christians. He's hitting pause on this explanation that Jesus is greater because he's wanting to uh, help them to understand that a reason that they're struggling in their faith is that they are choosing to remain immature in their faith. And whenever they face difficulty, because they were still immature in their faith, they were slipping, they were struggling, they were walking away, they were drifting back to the old way. So in the first five chapters, chapters of Hebrews, he's already preached very passionately. Jesus is greater than the angels. Do you remember that sermon? Uh, or Jesus is greater than Moses. But the reality is that they're slipping, they're drifting from Christ is because they are choosing to remain immature in their faith. Kids get to be kids, but adults take responsibility for themselves. So as a parent, I hand to my kids the basics to survive. So kids, here's a question for you, a little participation time. What do you need from your parents to survive? Okay, food, video games, water. Somebody said money. What else do you need to survive? So I'm just thinking about like what my kids feel like they need to survive. Clothing, right? Shelter, Chick-fil-A, <laughs> Wi-Fi. I read something this week, kind of a funny article, like child is a hero because he survived six hours without Wi-Fi. <laughs> a trampoline, that's what we need to survive around our house, like get outside and jump on the trampoline. But here's the thing, I as a parent am providing what my kids need to survive, I'm giving it to them. But at some point, they are going to have to take responsibility for providing that for themselves, which means that they're going to have to grow up. They're going to have to go get their own Chick-fil-A. They're going to have to find their own job. They are going to have to go and shop for their own clothes. (laughs) So the same is true with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are given the message. We receive the message as children. We are given faith by God. We receive it as, uh, uh, as simple children, but we cannot remain babies in the faith because Christian babies will not survive in the real world of suffering. We write that down right there, please, somebody. Christian babies will not survive in the real world of suffering. Here's what will happen if you do not grow up. And this is what the author is going to say. If you do not grow up, you're going to get out into the real world. 
as a Christian, and you're going to have somebody question your faith, and then you're going to give up on your faith. You're going to experience some kind of difficulty, something that you know is just shouldn't happen. It just shouldn't be that way. God, why are you doing it? And then you're going to walk away from your faith. If you remain a baby, you will act like a baby and you will not be able to multiply. And healthy Christians grow up to multiply. They are dull of hearing, the author says in verse 11. Look there at verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers... You need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So he's, he's putting two things out here. There are those that live on milk in verse 13. They are unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child, it says. They're immature in the faith. They've not learned or developed their faith to the point that they'd be considered mature and be able to move on to the solid food. Verse 14, those that are able to take solid food have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. See, growing up, maturing requires training by constant practice. And babies don't want to train. There's Daniel right here, Daniel Morgan. Hey, Daniel. It's time to get serious and take some responsibility, bro. Come on, man. I mean, what's, I mean, none of us would expect a baby to take responsibility and mature. But if I looked over here at somebody else, Matt Parrish, and I said, Matt, and Matt's an awesome man of God. So this is a, um, I, I don't, I'm not going to say anything to embarrass you, but, you know, we would expect Matt as an adult to be able to take on responsibility. And he has, he has jobs and he's a husband, he's got children. Growing up requires training by constant practice. We don't go from the Daniel to the Matt without some kind of training and practice and failure and success along the way. So yesterday, um, Kobe, my oldest son, he plays football, Lamar. I feel so proud of him. He's sitting right back over here. And uh, he, got, uh, he went along with some other Lamar offensive linemen to a football camp that was hosted uh, by uh, the Houston Texans. It's a football team we have here in the city, Houston Texans, and I don't know if you know that or not, um, but they're, it's kind of a big deal. And so we roll up on this campus, it was right over here at St. Thomas next door, and I'm telling you, you've never seen anything like a football camp with 100 plus offensive linemen, high schoolers. I mean, these kids are like, there was so much meat, I mean, out there. I mean, it was just like, dude, these are some big dudes. Anyway, so, so they're doing this football camp, they got all these offensive linemen, the whole offensive line was there, Bill O'Brien, the coach of the Texans was there. And so Bill O'Brien gave this little, like, two-minute speech. And what he said was, our theme for this year in the offseason is two words, get better. And I don't know what it was. I was up in the stands, and I'm sitting around these other dads and moms, and I'm just like, is anybody else pumped right now? Anybody else, like, feeling it? Like, he just said, get better. I'm like, okay, coach, okay, coach. You know, and the boys are all down there listening because it just makes sense, right, the theme of get better. Why? Because they have a team and all of them need to be able to rely on the other people on the team that they're willing to take responsibility for getting better. That theme for the Texans is accepted by everyone. If someone doesn't accept that theme, what's going to happen? They're off the team. They're not going to make the team. They're not going to be able to make the play. Well, if you are a follower of Christ, you know what? You're on a team. You're automatically on. And you've got to train to get better. You've got to train to grow up. You've got to accept the call to get better. You cannot remain a child 
in the faith unless you are a child in the faith. You've got to do what it takes to get better. So look at verse 6. And what I want you to notice in verse 6 is the us and we language. You see, because for us to get better, we don't have to do it on our own. Some of y'all are trying to get better on your own or mature on your own. It, you, you don't have to. That's the purpose of the church. We get to get better. Verse 6, therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. Not lay again a foundation of repentance from dead works and faith towards God and of instruction and washings and lay on of hands, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. So there's three things here that he's saying are the elementary principles or the elementary doctrine of Christ. Three things. The first one, repentance from dead works and faith towards God. Essentially what it means is he's saying quit trying to earn your salvation with good works. Good works is not how you be saved. Instead, put your faith in God's work for you through Christ. That's elementary. Quit trying to earn your way to God. You can't earn your way to God. This is why Jesus came and was crucified. It's because you are not perfect and God needed a perfect sacrifice. Jesus laid his life down so that you could have your sin forgiven. Put your faith in God and his finished work through Christ and you'll enjoy your Christian faith a whole lot more. The second thing that would be considered an elementary doctrine of Christ is this phrase of instruction about washing, laying off hands. And what he's essentially saying is that this is like what it means to be a part of the church, like a ceremony in the church. So an elementary doctrine or something that is very basic is that if you're a Christian, you commit to fully engaging your church. I'm going to talk more about that in just a minute. And then the third one, resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. So this is really talking about how an elementary doctrine of Christ is that we have the hope of a future inheritance. If you have the hope of something that's going to happen in the future, you will make decisions today based on that hope. Now, here's the thing about these three things. Quit trying to earn your salvation with good works. Fully engage the church. Live your life in such a way that you're not living for this life, but you're living for the next, that future inheritance. For us, in like contemporary Christianity, we look at those three things and we go, wow, that person that is able to do that is a saint. I mean, they must be really, really something. But what the author of Hebrews is saying is like, no, no, that's the very basic. That's like, that's like the, the lowest standard. Like if you're a Christian, these are the elementary doctrines of Christ. Faith by Christ alone. You can't earn it. The church as a family, you must fully engage it. It's not an option. And then we make decisions in this life based on what we know about the next life. Those are the most basic elementary doctrines of Christ. Instead, what we've done in our culture, in America, in this church, and I don't know every church, so I don't know why I'm saying this, but I've observed this in my own life and the lives of people around me, is that we look at these and go, if somebody's doing all three of these, man, they're awesome. They are a saint. They are something else. But the author is saying, no, that's bare minimum. Like, we need to grow up past that. And when we grow up past that, something remarkable happens in our church, something remarkable happens in our community. These are the baby steps. I'm going to hit them again. Baby step. We put faith in God. What does that mean? Let me dial in a little bit. Putting faith in God as a habit of your life means you repent often. God, I messed up. I trust you. I submit to you. I love you. Forgive me. It's an acknowledgement that you're not perfect, that God is, and that you need him. Pray always. And then you learn the Bible. Those are some things that you can actually practically do to put your faith in God. 
Another baby step is you commit to the church. You commit to one another. This is such a weird one in our day. In the first century, no one would have thought about coming to Christ and then not also becoming a part of a Christian church. It was just not in their frame of reference. But in our Western individualistic society, we might say, yes, I want God in my life, but I'm not sure I want the church. That's not an option. Once you say yes to Christ, you're on the team, and you get to choose to get better. And so you say, this is a baby step. You commit to the church. That means that you show up with your talents and your time and your tithes. Those are three T's. That's like good old-fashioned Baptist preaching there. So talents, time, and tithes. You show up. That would mean very practically like this summer, when you're in town, you come. And then you find the needs and you serve. And then you, when you earn a wage, you give the first part of it to the Lord. I mean, these are very basic, rudimentary parts of Christian living. But we've made them like, whoa, anybody that does those, they must be really, really serious. No, no, the Bible says anybody that does those is actually a Christian. Another baby step, we keep hope in the future inheritance. I, men, I mentioned this. We live with eternity in mind. Our ultimate hope is not in this life. I make decisions in this life. Because I know that there's a hope for the next life. I make decisions about parenting, about how we will or will not spend our money. Jeannie and I make these decisions. Knowing that there is the hope of inheritance in the next life. I don't have to try to organize my life to experience heaven on earth here because there is a heaven in the next life. And so here I actually can be in the midst of a not great situation and still love God because I have the hope of a future inheritance. Those are the basics. Faith in God, committing to one another in the church, hope in the future inheritance. And as the author of Hebrews says, I will say to you and to myself, verse three, and this we will do if God permits, because it's not easy. You say, well, what, okay, then what, what does it look like to mature? There's really a simple step according to the author of Hebrews. A, a maturing step is that you teach others. You know, a way to find out whether you know a particular kind of content is you try to teach it to somebody else. You try to pass it on. You know, my faith has grown so much in my thinking about the more complex kind of real questions of the world has grown so much just by the fact that my kids are wanting to know the answers to those things. How, Dad, do we live out our faith in a community where most people could care less about Christ? So I'm teaching them. I'm hoping, I'm trying. I'm trying to take that maturing step. How about you? Who are you teaching? You, you might say, well, I've taken those baby steps, but I'm not yet ready to teach others. And I would say, when will you be? You see, because people need someone to imitate. Otherwise, they'll remain sluggish. And you might say, hey, it's not for me. I'm going to kind of take what I can get from the church. I'm going to come when I want. I'm going to give when I want. And I'm going to engage it at the, at the intensity that I want. I'm not necessarily interested in teaching others. Then the author of Hebrews gives a really kind of alarming series of verses for you. Because essentially what you're saying is I'm going to remain a baby. So listen carefully to this complex 
debated passage that ought to sober us and motivate us in our faith. Verse 4. It is impossible in the case of those who have been enlightened. So there's four kind of descriptors here of the kind of person he's talking about. It's impossible in the case of those who have been enlightened, who've tasted the heavenly gift, who've shared in the Holy Spirit, who've tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away, drifted away. This theme has come up several times. The warnings, don't drift away. Watch yourself. Don't slip, the author's saying. Here we are. He's saying it is impossible if someone drifts away for them to be restored again to repentance. I mean, verse 7. For land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful for those sake who is cultivated receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed and its end is to be burned. Here, here's what the author is saying. Be warned. If you choose to remain a baby Christian, when you should be growing up and maturing in the faith, and evidence of the fact is whether or not you're teaching others. If you choose to remain a baby Christian, then you will drift, and it is possible that you'll drift so far that it'll reveal that you were never a Christian in the first place. There's a variety of conclusions as to what this passage means. But essentially, that's what it is. The expectation is that you will grow up and you will produce a useful crop as a believer in Jesus Christ. And if you do not grow up, you will fall away, which means you may not return. And, and, and that's, that's a, like a serious warning. You know, warnings in general are meant to help us and to keep us from harm, right? So the expectation is that you will grow up. Some of you have been drifting and you just keep staying out here and you wonder why you just, it's so hard to feel close to God. And maybe what today is saying to you is that it's because you continue to just get stuck in the elementary doctrines of Christ. You're continuing to just be unsure of whether or not you ought to engage the church family, whether or not you can earn your salvation. In other words, uh, you're just stuck as a baby. And, And what the author of Hebrews is saying is like, grow up. It's time to grow up. And the scary part is, is that whether or not you want to, you will multiply yourself in the lives of people that, are, that you lead. And if you're a baby, you know what you'll multiply? Well, you won't multiply, but theoretically, what you will multiply is babies. And so we've got a problem in American Christianity of having churches filled with baby Christians And what we're choosing to do to keep them is just more hype. And what what, what the author of Hebrews is saying, that we what he's doing to those baby Christians is he is saying to them, grow up. Like quit messing around. Where are the teachers? Where are the people that are going to influence? It was a powerful point. That child fell out of her chair. (laughs) Now, here's the thing. The author of Hebrews says in verses 9 through 12, he actually says, um, I don't think this is going to be true of you to those that he's talking to. He says, we feel sure of better things. 
And he, and he gives a little word of confidence after the warning to them. And he says that, that we feel sure that they will remain faithful. And he gives them assurance in verse 10 where he says, God will not overlook your work and love that you've shown for his name in serving others. So he's given this warning to this group of Christians, not because they have fallen away, but because he wants to warn them that if they do choose not to grow up, that they could drift far enough that in fact it'll be revealed that they were never Christians in the first place. And he's saying, so here, so here grow up. It's time to mature. Let's, let's, let's do something more than just struggle with whether or not I ought to find a church that I'm committed to. Let's do something more than, than, than just wrestle with whether or not it's possible for me to earn my salvation. Let, let's do something more than, than decide, like, like wrestle with the decision, am I going to make decisions in this life based on what I know to be true in the next? And the way that you'll know whether or not you've taken those baby steps is how you're using what you've grown to know and learn to impact others. So the question for you is this, are you growing up? Are you growing up? Here's an indicator for you. If a younger person imitated your life, would they look more like Christ? Your public life and your private life. If a younger person imitated your life, would they look more like Christ? Or are you stuck on those baby steps? And you say, well, I, you know, I don't really care. And I would say, well, that's your choice, but be warned. Because what the author is saying is that you could really drift and get yourself in trouble. Are you growing up? Are there people around you that are enabling you to remain a child? Or are the people nearest you that have the greatest influence on you helping you to mature? So like the author of Hebrews is hopeful for his audience, I'm hopeful for you and for myself that I will grow up. But just as he warned his readers of slipping, I want to warn you. If you choose to remain an immature Christian, you are going to drift and you may not return. So let us all take responsibility for growing from whatever place we're in to become even more mature followers of Christ. You see, if you recognize that you're stuck on baby step two, it's not an occasion for you to beat yourself up. That's not what this is about. It's an occasion for you to say, you know what, I need to grow. I need to find a church and stick with it. I need to find a community of people that can help me mature. I thank God for his grace when we do recognize that we've fallen short. There's an opportunity right there to talk about the good news of Christ. When we fall short, we're reminded of why God became flesh in the form of a man named Jesus and died on a cross because we do fall short and there is forgiveness. But there's also a hope of new life. Just as Jesus was raised from the dead, we have the, the hope of resurrection. We have the hope of new life in Christ. So here we go. Here are the baby steps. Call to action. Three things and then I'll be done. First of all, repent and believe in God's work through Christ. If you've not crossed over the line of faith and do it today, or if you are a follower of Christ and you recognize that there is an area of your life that's just not right with God, repent and believe in God's work through Christ. The second baby step played out, fully engage the church family. For us, this means that when you are in town, attend. When you get paid, give. 
When you see a need, serve. Let me say this again. Fully engage the church family, and you can just say, I'm going to go for it this summer. I'm going to try it this summer. Here we go. When you are in town, attend. When you get paid, give. Because the reality is, you giving is what helps us do the ministry that God's called us to in the community. Pay for this place and other amazing things that we're able to do. Help people that have needs in our community. When you see a need, serve. Our teams as a church should be overflowing with people. This is not the kind of church where you can come and not serve. Everybody serves. Because we believe it's a really beautiful expression of what it means to be a part of the church. So repent and believe in God's work. Fully engage the church family and then live with eternity in mind. Make decisions today based on that day when Jesus will return and restore all that's been broken by sin. And then as you're doing that, take on the responsibility of being one who teaches others. That may mean getting involved in a loop group where you can share in the teaching. That may mean getting involved in Kid City where you can help teach the kids. That may mean being more intentional with teaching a child or a coworker or a neighbor about what it means to have faith in Christ. You must teach and that will reveal how much you really know. I pray that we would all respond to God's word today. We'd feel convicted by it and refreshed by it as the Holy Spirit helps us to know the steps we need to take. All right, so let's pray on and think about these things. God Almighty, we love you. And God, I, even as I say these words today, recognize in myself some immaturity. God, I know that I need to grow. So God, I pray that you'd strengthen kind of my courage and willingness to, or honesty about areas where I'm still a baby And God, I pray that you would do that for all of us. God, for those that are here that are hesitant to engage the church for whatever reason, maybe they've been hurt by the church or maybe they don't think they need to to be a part of the church, God, I pray you would just move them beyond that. God, help us to warmly welcome them in to the church family in kind of a, a fresh way. God, for those that are here that are not followers of Christ, God, I pray that their hearts would be stirred. I believe that you give faith, and I pray that you would do that today. God, for all of us, I pray we as a church would mature so that we can teach others, those that you're bringing from our community and those that are uh, coming out of our families. God, we need you in all these things.